Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Warriors. And this is Ryan. And this is the Nintendo Show, the best damn Nintendo podcast on the internet. This is going to be the official show for the month of November 2023. We'll talk about some news and some new games, but the biggest news is that Wes is back. What up, Wes? Hi, guys. How's it How going? How are you doing? You missed two shows and you make it sound like I was dead. I mean, you, you missed, well, technically you missed four shows because the retro shows are so long. Wait, you split the, that one retro show into four episodes? Uh, I split the one retro show into two shows that were two hours each. But that's still only two shows. Yeah, it's true. I, so I mean, how this is a, four? Uh, a, a sort of like a, a podcast bias. Generally speaking, the the agreed upon time that podcast should last is about an hour. Oh, we just kind oh, of ignore okay, that. Okay. And okay. We go however long or short we feel like. I see what you're talking about. I guess. When is the last time we recorded one under an hour, though? Yeah, that's right. I, I can't I, imagine. I think there was like a time where we did a Pokemon show, and I looked at we, and uh, we were we were kind of done talking about what we wanted to talk about, and it'd been like forty two minutes. So I was trying to ramble a little bit, and I should have just closed it out. I was like, yeah, we're done. Yeah, but that was a couple months. You were ago. you were telling us about the uh, the Red Sox farm league. <laughs> <laughs> so right, I got a well, vamp. I got a vamp. The 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 Woo Sox who were in Worcester. Uh, just uh, changed ownership to a different team. I don't know if their affiliation with the Red Sox is going to like. I don't know if it jeopardizes anything or if it's just kind of like a ceremonial. Okay, now a different team, a different owner has this minor league team, but they remain associated with the Red Sox. Anyway, we don't have to get into how minor league teams associate with major league teams and how ownership moves around because I don't know that much about it. Wes, yes. before we get into that, we, we do need to address something before we we continue to vamp before we actually start this show yeah there's a reason why our shows are two hours long because of things yeah, like this that just because <laughs> we we need you to tell us about treasure planet why you already discussed the treasure planet i <laughs> uh, give us a, a quick thumbs up thumbs down you're a big oh, yeah, fan of the thumbs- movie right you're the expert here you're the expert on this I mean, one, it, so. it, it's a thumbs up it's a great story about a boy who lost his dad and he finds a new replacement father figure who ends up being a pirate and Almost Who's the him. villain? Who's the villain? Who's the... It's the villain, and then he becomes not the villain, and then he kind of is the villain? I don't know. And Ryan, I think you raised this point when we actually talked about this movie in the retro show. It's mm. a villain who's, like, redeemable by the end, because, like, he, he's, like, faced with the choice to, like, uh, be a total scumbag and uh, leave Jim for dead, or, or like, kill him, and he, he like, uh, he's... He, he like goes through that like arc like no I can't actually like hurt you like we've we've grown close we become friends so whereas like you see other Disney villains um, around this time with like like Isma who's just like a, a punching bag she's just a joke but like yep. other Disney villains like Scar Jafar um, Gaston like Ursula or yeah, Gaston, Gaston like all of these really irredeemable pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're typically just monolithically evil. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see a character that was kind of complex. Yeah, this was this was a great movie. I really liked it. Wes went and saw it four times in the theaters, which accounted did, for twenty five percent of ticket sales. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch this in preparation for the retro show, and then I couldn't make it to the retro show. I was like, "Well, why did I watch this movie? <laughs> just for the joy of it? Like, it's still fine. It's a great movie, so it's fine." 
Well, Wes, do you by any chance recall seeing Santa Claus 2 or Chamber of Secrets? That's what, it, <laughs> that's what it opened up against. Like, that opening weekend for Treasure Planet, they had to fight off, had to fend off Chamber of Secrets and also Santa Claus I mean, 2. I can see it, like, having a hard time with Chamber of Secrets, but, I mean... I mean, you, you say that, like, you know, I mean, it's Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, also... And then that movie, also, like, made $800 billion. Yeah, I mean, also, like, Santa Claus 1, how did that do? I mean, well enough to make a sequel, but... Um, did, did it do a 3? Was there a 3? Yes, and there's a TV show on Disney. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. just came out with that season show. 2. Like, oh, no, season 2 they mm-hmm. just came out with. Yeah, I haven't seen any of it. Um, but no, like yeah, Santa Claus two had a hundred. I mean, Santa Claus two made more than Treasure Planet. Had, well, I mean, it, I mean, box office of one hundred seventy, which is saying something because that one was trash. Um, False. That's not true. Really? <laughs> really? I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was the business clause. We had. To <laughs> is is the Santa Claus the Tim Allen movie? Is that yep. associated with Disney? Yeah, I, I, apparently it's on. How Disney strange that they would like release both of those movies so close to each other. It it could be that they acquired. I mean, I don't know how how I think they closely involved they Harry they might have Potter. acquired it later. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't I just think kind that. of assume anything Tim Allen does is associated with Disney. <laughs> I I don't mm. think Harry Potter was originally owned by Disney. No, no, no. That's Warner Brothers. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I think I think you mean what Treasure Planet? Like Treasure yeah, Planet. Treasure oh, Planet. oh, okay, okay. Well, they knew Treasure yeah. Planet was going to bomb. It was a throwaway <laughs> film. <laughs> but they didn't do themselves any favors if it is associated with Disney. They put a ton Netflix. into that movie too, right? They had like a it's stupid high. Treasure uh, Planet, yeah, budget. Yeah, like highest. What was the highest yeah. budget for an animated film ever? Yeah, highest budget for a two D animated film ever made. I think there have been like some Pixar style, and it shows because it's a great movie. <laughs> Animation's great. Yeah, you can't. You can't fault it for that. It's a really good-looking animated film. All, All right. right. Well, <laughs> so video games. Look? All right, that's the end of the retro show. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that really caps off the retro show. Um, so, uh, like I said, we're going to talk about some news, but we are going to time capsule this real quick. Ready for a time capsule? All right, time Let's capsule. I guess I've got three things. I'm going to hit them real quick. If you guys want to discuss any of them, that's totally fine. We'll backtrack to it. So real piece of shit Henry Kissinger died delightful piece of shit George Santos was kicked out of Congress and real delight <laughs> Rosalind Carter passed away yeah that's some big shakeups in the are they alive of American politics yeah it's true and Sandra Day O'Connor as well passed yeah. away mm-hmm. so yeah there's uh, you know, a, a few deaths and hopefully we haven't seen the last of George Santos because that guy is a hoot no, well, I mean, I also think Henry Kissinger may zombify. No, maybe. You know, this may not be the e- the true end of him. He's so evil that, you know, usually there's some kind of occult ritual is required to banish the soul. There's oh, going to be gonna... a group of people in robes. Oh, yeah. it's going to be a Castlevania situation. It's going to be a Castlevania. It's just some, some new person every hundred years trying to bring back Kissinger. Oh, God, Kissinger is the, 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 the new Dracula curse? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Uh, he did live to be a hundred, Wes. I think you might be onto something here. Mm-hmm. He looked terrible. He, oh, he, he looked like he looked like there was a portrait of him somewhere that never aged. 
which I guess is every portrait. Portrait Stone Age. Yes, that's how it works, John. <laughs> that's how the passes of time works. Hey, you know what? You laughed before you corrected me. I corrected myself on. That. I know. I did get the. I, I got what you were going for, and then. Yeah, it's an inverse Dorian Gray situation. Uh, Do you want to go through uh, the 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 myriad list of George Santos like lies and oh, fraudulent activities? I mean, he looks like he's melting into himself. This is one of those things where like, um, when when uh, if if my children still speak to me when they have children, uh, and I tell them stories no, no about, that's happening. The, about the early two thousands, <laughs> I'll tell them about this delightful doughboy who ran for congress and won and said all these things and this is going to sound made up they're gonna think i'm lying yeah i I know like among them gosh i don't have a comprehensive list but i know for example like he lied about going to yale in a graduate program he did not attend yale ever he lied about what Um, college he went to and like being on the volleyball team he neither Mm -hmm. went to that college nor was on the volleyball team yeah, he lied about working for Goldman Sachs and another high-profile security firm. Um, gosh, he lied about being Jewish, said his mother was in the Holocaust. He's not Jewish. He lied about going to Brazil. He's from Brazil. Right. Um, he lied about... Oh, what was it? He said he was involved in the making of a film, like a high-profile film. Oh, he was a, uh, a producer for the Spider-Man musical. That's what it was. Why would the you Spider-Man lie about that? Like, why would thing. why would that be part of your credentials? Like, I really don't know. I, I, it's. I think he just realized he could get away with one, and like, it's about hitting it's range, like, guys. It's about showing that he can do it all. That's all. That's. <laughs> he can do it all, or he says he can do it. all. He says he can do okay. any, yeah. anything. <laughs> he he had that baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, part, well, part of his illegal stuff, too, is that I think he, he claimed that he was running a charity, where, or he, he was running a, a fraudulent charity that was taking money from people to help pay vet bills for veterans. I guess, right. like, it's a weird thing, like, they're dogs or something. Yeah, like, assistant And he was just, like, pets. pocketing the money. Yep. Uh, he crossed paths with Central Florida by claiming that he knew four of the employees at the Pulse nightclub shooting. He did not. Um, oh, he, you know, keep in mind, he is of the party of trying to ban drag shows, mm-hmm. mind you, and he actually did drag. There's a, <laughs> and yeah, he a picture it. of him, and he denies <laughs> yes. it. Right? Like, we, we see oh you. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. He claimed he managed a real estate empire. Like, yeah, like, everything you can imagine about this guy is just tall tale after tall tale. It's, it's a, at every opportunity... He took the opportunity to lie about everything associated with him. It's kind of insane. And he had that baby. Yeah, and the baby. Which, what happened to that baby? Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. There was uh, he, somebody like, uh, he was carrying a baby, and a reporter's like, hey, is that your baby? And he was like, not yet. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and yeah. no one has seen that baby again. Oh my God. Where is that baby? It's like what? And only the he's only the sixth congressman in his history to have been voted by his peers out of Congress. Mm-hmm. And uh, even you know even the the Democrats were pretty generous for him too. The first time they did a nomination because all of at the time all of this was just sort of like it was being announced. You know, it was these giant news articles that were coming out about all this this kind of really schemey and dirty shit he seemed to have been involved in. 
And then after like what two weeks of a of of an exploratory committee within the house, they're just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this guy's a total fucking fraud. Yeah, and I think what uh, what finally broke the back was that he was using campaign funds for personal operations, which is something you can't do. That's a no no. Yeah, it, it's one it's one thing to lie on a resume. It's it's another to you know defraud people. Mm. So yeah. So yeah, I'm. I, I hope he runs again somewhere. Yeah. Oh, and first, and as, as, as you said, also big news. It's, it's a shame to hear of her passing, but yeah, Sandra Day O'Connor, the first uh, female Supreme Court justice. Hmm. She passed away. Yep. So, video games? I suppose. Yes. Yeah, let's do it. So, there were a... Oh, there was a, um, a number of announcements at the Nintendo Indie Showcase. I believe this was back on November 14th. We haven't discussed it yet because we spent four hours talking about stuff that happened 21 years ago. So, uh, mm-hmm. I got the list in front of me. We'll just go point by point here. If there's anything you guys want to talk about, there are probably going to be a few things that I breeze through. If there's anything you want to say, you can go ahead and stop me. Uh, we got an announcement for Shantae Advance Risky Revolution that was coming out next year. So this was a game that we knew existed. Uh, it was an unfinished GBA game uh, that was a follow-up to the Game Boy Color game, uh, just called Shantae. It was the first one. Um, we knew about this one because it got uh, announced for Game Boy Advance, but not like 21 years ago. Like this year, they announced like, hey, there's this game that we were working on for GBA. We had to cancel it, but we're going to finish it and then release it. And they were, and they, uh, I don't know if they've released it yet, but they were going to release it or, and still are going to release it on Game Boy Advance. Um, but now it's coming to sensible platforms next year. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it looks good. And I like these Shantae games. I think it'll be good. Yeah, it looks interesting. It looks like it's kind of in the style of that old Wonder Boy game that they did the remaster remake of. Yeah, it's a good you know, where they did all of the the modern art style. It looks like she picks up different animal forms and stuff and solves, you know, platformy style puzzles. Yeah, kind of like uh, light Metroid esque things. Like, okay, now now you can transform into a monkey and it like functions as a morph ball. You can creep into smaller spaces, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Wes, you in for Shantae? No. Big fan, big fan of the Shantae yeah, series. Last over die hard, you know, lady with her hair. <laughs> uh, Core Keeper is out next year. This game has uh, some nice pixel art. It is described as a multiplayer exploration, resource gathering, base building game, uh, which are all really great words, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> Those are words. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm all for exploring and gathering resources and building a base. That's like built Bases are like mini towns that you can build. I'm all about town building. Yes. Uh, the one thing about this game is it is procedurally generated, which, you know, for a multiplayer game, I think, you know, is is a, a acceptable way of handling things. It adds to, like, replay if you're being put into the same uh, handful of areas over and over again. Okay, we're going to play through, like, this, you know, swampy area again, but randomly generated or procedurally generated, so things will move around a bit. So, I don't know. I think if... Uh, if you guys were interested in, I'd be interested in getting a, a multiplayer going with this one. But, you know, we'll see how the schedules line up. It's also apparently summer 2024, so it's it's a ways away. Yeah, mm. we got some time to plan ahead. I mean, we got we got six months to, to let you down by saying we're not getting the game. <laughs> well, if you're not getting it, I'm not getting it. I'm not going to buy it by myself. 
Uh, On Your Tail is out sometime next year. It is a furry mystery simulation game. Uh, mm-hmm. Pass. Is this the one that was like a storybook and the pieces were kind of moving around? Uh, I don't think so. I, think right, thinking I was thinking of something else then. I gotta go back to the list. <laughs> I'm so good at this podcast, guys. Uh, Ryan, you got anything you want to say about On Your Tail? I think uh, the furry community will love this. Sure will. Uh, these are all anthropomorphized people. Yep. Uh, they just look like cats and some stuff. That's great. I also noticed oh, that no, they're... they're up, yeah. Sorry. They're, they're really big on doing the... Having the producers of the game like talk to you. Yep. Like If you see their face, you have to know that real people did this and then maybe, you know... I think that's the only way they could sell it. <laughs> well, there's a sort of like... A pattern to how they do these games. They do uh, like a, a trailer, and then they mm-hmm. have the some some people who are on the design team, on the development team, say something about the game, and then they have uh, like an extended like trailer with uh, representatives from Nintendo talking over it, and that's how they introduce almost every game here. Yeah, know, it, it it seems like an interesting model of a game too, because it just seems like it's sort of like you're going to walk around and talk to people and, and get into some kind of story adventure stuff, and then there's all kinds of like mini games built into it. I don't know. I I think it's just more of putting a face of the game, so it makes us feel guilty for not. <laughs> I feel no guilt <laughs> endorsing mm-hmm. their dreams. <laughs> this is the most mileage we will get out of this game. As this is the past forty five seconds, which is forty seconds longer than I thought we'd spend on it. Yeah. Uh Howl is a game that is out now. It is a path making tactics game. This has got a really, like a really nice art style. They called it a living ink art style. But it's sort of like a tactics game where you're planning like multiple turns and then like hitting the the execute button and watching how it played out. So you're having to uh not only like try to find your optimal route, but plan it around what you're going to predict or bait your enemies into doing. Oh, interesting idea. This is why I was talking about with that storybook kind of look mm. thing a second ago. Yeah. I know in a lot of strategy games, people just turn off the fog of war. This is a game that, that the developers were like, our favorite part is the fog of war. <laughs> <laughs> when I was playing uh, War Groove 2, it did not have a whole lot of fog of war missions in it. But when it did have fog formation, like, oh, great, another one of these. Can't turn it off. I guess I'm just gonna have to suffer through this. I don't know. I like being able to see things. Are you are you generally pro fog of war or against? I think it depends. I think it depends on the the game and on the circumstances. Mm. How about like I mean, a... it, re- really, it's it's your own. F- if 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 there is a fog of war, you have to scout. Yeah. So it's your own fault if you're not properly scouting. It's, it's sort of like. You know, you know what you need to do. You're just too lazy to do the thing you need to do. Yeah, you got to put your mechs on top of a mountain so they can see very far. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. In, in general, I, I kind of do like seeing my opponent's army and what they're building in real time. So I know it's like, oh, okay, they're making planes. I'll make anti-air. Yeah, I, I'm nosy <laughs> like that. I want to know what they're doing so I can counter it before I see them doing it. But no, yeah. re- Wes, I wasn't referencing Mech Commander, which is a tremendous game. I was referencing Advance oh, Wars. Yes. Oh, okay. like the... Uh, the, the troops that carry bazookas. They call them mechs for some reason. Oh, uh, okay. Um, the Big. next game coming in summer 2024 is The Star Named Eos. It's a photo-taking narrative game. Pass. Yep, and then there's like another minute of the creators talking. Yep, that's what they do. Yep. 
pass. Ryan, any thoughts? Uh, no. I'm, I'm, I will be. I will be a pass on this one as well. Okay. Best of luck on their endeavor, though. The Here you next, go, John. Your next game. Here you go, buddy. It's called Backpack Hero. It's already out. It is an organization and town building game. Guys, they made me a game. All I need <laughs> is cartography, and it's the perfect game. Ten out of ten. That, that was Best your favorite game. part about Resident Evil Four. <laughs> your I, backpack organization. Yeah, you, you need like uh, to to make there sure you're yeah. in the right spot. Yeah. There's a lot of inventory Tetris going on with this one. Yeah, yeah, and in this one, like, it makes a difference. It looks like if you're lining up, like, you're there's a, they show like a bow and arrow, and like if you have two arrows in front of it, when you execute an attack, having a like an organized backpack will increase the effectiveness of your arrows, like that. Which, oh my goodness, um, John, remember you're married. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I need to find out who made this game because <laughs> it's the best idea ever. And there are a bunch of like little animals and stuff. There's a frog, <laughs> and there's yeah. I don't, I, I it looks like this... a a less dreary, darkest dungeon hmm. with the way that the animation looks at the bottom. <laughs> I think uh, I put this one on the wish list, and I'll get to it at some point. Right now, there's just a bunch of other games. Well, yeah, really great idea for a game. I think they were, they they nailed the concept there. Blade Chimera is a game coming in spring of 2024. This one's uh, an action platformer with a sort of uh, object-conjuring sword. They describe it as like your your sword recalls elements of the platforming area of the level from the past. Like they showed, like here, here's a bridge that it can bring in from the past that has since been destroyed, and that allows you to cross over to the other side of the cliff that you were on. I think it's a pretty legit-looking action platformer. I think it was pretty cool. Yeah, this looks pretty cool. I'm be keeping an eye on this. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. yeah, any concept. Yeah, a Highland song is out December fifth. It looks like a cute little walking sim. I'm good. No thanks. Yeah. Ryan, any any thoughts on Highland song? No, none, none here. Moonstone Island is out spring of next year. This is a monster collecting card battle RPG open world farming adventure. Dear God, they're trying there's to get a little a, bit of everything. There's all yeah, there's a lot going on. This is like super ambitious with the amount of things that they're throwing in there. And I think like it's it's helpful that it's like a top down pixel art game. So they're not going for anything super ambitious with like the, the art style or the, the graphical design. Um but man, that is that is a lot to try to manage to make a cohesive package. So like Kudos to them for trying to do so much, but I, I worry that they might be able to try be trying to do a little too much. I mean, it looks interesting. I'm I'm intrigued yeah. by it. Yeah, same. Looks pretty cool. Uh, Death Trick Double Blind is out sometime next year. Kind of looks like an Ace Attorney game. I uh, kind of spot the lies with the people you're talking to to solve a mystery. Pass. Yeah. I don't know. The animation looks pretty cool, but yeah. Other than that, yeah, no, not really. It's, it's probably a whole lot of text to read through and no cartography, so I'm I'm mm-hmm. good. Outer Wilds Archaeologist Edition is out December seventh. That's only a few days from time of recording here. I thought this game was vaporware because this came out on other systems like three years ago, but here it is, and it looks pretty good. Um, it's one that I want to give a shot at some point. This sort of like spacefaring. Uh, time loop adventure sort of game um, but yeah I didn't think we'd ever see this one again and they they showed it and it's like hey it's out next week 
Royce, you ever play Outer Wilds? I did not. Ryan, any interest in this one? Hmm, looks cool. But, yeah, I'm not rushing out to get it. Hmm. There's one that uh, I think, like, when they announced it, they said they are going to do a physical edition. I don't know if that's going to still happen. Uh, then they got to, like, the rapid-fire stuff. Planet of Lana is a, sort of like a walking exploration game. You're You're going around this... Uh, planet that's I think like under attack or something and solving some some minor like puzzle platforming type things in order to get to the end. I think it would have been nice if they gave this one a little bit more time. This one came out on other systems I think over the summer and it reviewed pretty well. I'm interested in this one. I think it looks really good. I don't think we have a release window for that one just yet though. Um, guys, anything for Planet of Lana? Nah, nothing really. I mean, it looks a little bit like Limbo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like that that style of, of 2D sort of uh, puzzle platformer. Uh, enjoy mm-hmm. the Diner is out now. I got nothing. You guys got anything for that one? I got nothing. Heavenly nah. Bodies is out February of 2024. Um, Wes is in that game, obviously. What? What? Nothing? What? Huh? What? What? What do you mean by that? Because of your Heavenly Body. Because you've been working out. You've been going to the gym. I have been going yeah, to the gym. Yeah, Wes. Just I take the compliment. <laughs> He's not used to it. we gotta, we got to build up his confidence again. I'm not. My other friends are usually so mean to me. Are they really? I will beat them up. <laughs> they better not be saying anything about your little models. Oh. <laughs> uh, All right. That the, feels a little better. Thank, thank you for making fun of my models. <laughs> the Gecko Gods is out in spring of 2024. It's like a 3D adventure platform. That could be kind of fun. Uh, then uh, Passport Out 2. Didn't know there was a Passport Out 1, but there it is. The Lost Artist is out now. You can go buy that one if you feel like it. It's got robots and he paints or something. I don't know. Moving on. Urban Myth Dissolution Center is out next year. And Braid Anniversary Edition. We've got a hard release date for this one. It's April 30th. This was a wild one. Uh, I never thought we'd see this game on a Nintendo system. This was a super early like Xbox Live Arcade exclusive. I think back on like Xbox One. So not technically retro yet. I think this one came out in like 2008. So it's an early early indie game not like as early as something like a cave story but this was before uh indie games kind of became the the much bigger market that they are now that was a really interesting get for uh the nintendo eShop. i'm honestly kind of surprised that this is the first time it's coming to the console right weird right you think like i don't think um it would have happened on wii uh, because the Wii had a, a hard limit of like, the size of the game that you could put on a download system. But, like, Wii U could have handled it. But anyway, cool that it's, uh, it's coming around now. Mm-hmm. So there are a few other games announced outside of this Indie Direct, or this Indie Showcase, I think they like to call them. There was a, a Level 5 vision. Level 5 is the developer that makes games with Professor Layton. They made those Nino Kuni games. Uh, they make the Inazuma 11 games, Yokai Watch, that kind of stuff. Some really weeb shit. So, he, I, I didn't bore you guys with the videos from this one. I'm just going to go real quick. 
Uh, some of this stuff had already been announced but got delayed, and I think that's something that we kind of expected at this point. Uh, Megaton, Musashi Wired. This is some real weeb mech shit. It looks okay. That one's out April 25th, 2024. Fantasy Life I, which is a game that was announced at a Nintendo Direct over the summer uh, for this year. That one got pushed to summer of next year. That's not really a surprise. They ran out of time to release it this year. They did take a lot of time to show how much better it looked than the 3DS version, which aren't cool. There is going to be a worldwide beta for the new Inazuma 11 game, which uh, the beta starts in March, and the full version is allegedly coming later in 2024. Uh, are you, you guys familiar with Inazuma 11? It's not a game that really comes to North America very much. No, I don't think I'm familiar with it. It is no. a soccer RPG where there's first of all there's a lot of like team management like team building uh like a like a more complex blitz ball where you're recruiting people to your team and like taking them through training exercises they all have like their unique move sets like if they have like a, a special pass that they can do or a special shot or if they're a really good defender uh, if they're like uh, uh blocking or tackling an enemy or i guess a uh a, a opponent on the field and uh, you get into like the recruiting uh, around like your your campus that you're on, and then when you're actually playing the game, it it does function similarly to Blitzball, but a bit more complex because you do have more free movement, uh, and there's a lot more players on the field, and they all have their unique shots and. Their, your, their statistics of who's going to be good going up against who, who are going to be like your, your optimal players going against the, the particular team. They'll have special shots that they can do. There's elemental affinities where you, know, you can put status ailments on the opposing players. Um, it is a, a wacky game and one of Level 5's first big hits. They did like five of these things in Japan. Only one ended up coming to North America. And I think this is a brand new game. And they're bringing it uh, worldwide, which is nice. You know, I, I tried the first one when... The first one was for the original DS, but they didn't release it in North America until the 3DS, where they dumped it on the eShop there. And I tried that one. I kind of lost steam with it because there is a lot of talking. And, and I'd, uh, I'll keep an eye on this one here to see how it does. But really interesting that they're, they're giving this game another shot in North America. There is we we already knew about the new Professor Layton game. It was supposed to be coming out next year. It looks like it's been delayed into 2025. Uh, they're doing some mobile game-based shit on Yokai Watch for the eighth anniversary. Of course, like the very famous, uh, a very important eighth anniversary of anything. It's an important number to celebrate for anniversaries. And that game Deca Police was delayed. Um, again, not surprising. It was supposed to come out this year and. It is now December. They're not going to release anything else this year. But it was it was delayed in the video. They said post 2024, which could mean 2025. It could mean any other year into infinity when they're saying post 2024. I didn't expect it to come out this year, obviously. Um, uh, and but it turns out that like what they said in the video might have been like a mistake or a mistranslation because Level Five did then follow up saying that they're aiming for 2024. We'll see. Um, this sort of thing did lead a lot of uh, the internet sleuths to speculate that they were spoiling the release date for a Switch 2 because of 
the the delays for these level five games, which is of course ridiculous. Nintendo doesn't give a shit when level five releases these games, and like, when it comes to like them timing their release for their next console, they're not important enough games for Nintendo to see. Probably next year, though. I, th- I think that's uh, that that's the general opinion, and I think it's probably it, it, uh, it's probably pretty right. We'll see. I wouldn't I uh, wouldn't put it past Nintendo to be like, nah, twenty twenty five in March, but I think uh, next year is probably a safe bet. Hmm. So, a couple other real quick new game announcements before we move on here. Uh, Deep Sleep Labyrinth of the Forsaken is coming out next year. I thought this was an interesting looking horror game. Ryan, did you see the, the trailer for this one? I did, yeah. yeah. This one looks pretty cool in my opinion. I think this this is probably something I would pick up. Yeah, sort of like um, sort of text adventure you know? Um, or, or Yeah, it's, it's, point it's, it reminds adventure-y. me of, of like a, yeah, that's the kind of thing that first stuck out is that it's sort of like a 90s point and click adventure veering more into like the world of analog horror mm. and like liminal spaces. Um, it reminds me a bit of, I think it was called Darkwood, that game that came out oh, uh, yeah. a couple of years back. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just, yeah, it's, it's, this looks, uh, you know, in spite of how the low res pixel art and isometric views, the game looks pretty, pretty creepy. Yeah, I like uh, that these games have like a, a space to exist in now. You don't see a whole lot of horror games, but every once in a while they'll come around. Mm-hmm. Beyond Good and Evil the 20th anniversary did get officially announced for 2024. This is a game that uh, had been speculated was in existence, and then it kind of got announced because Ubisoft had to, because they they fucked up, and released a very early build of it, it seems, on the Xbox Store, so people were actually able to download it and start playing it before they sort of like scuttled it and like, no, 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 sorry, this wasn't supposed to happen yet. And I guess we should just announce this game exists now. So should be coming next year. This will be an interesting one to, to talk about when it comes around, because it'll also come up on the retro show um, next year. I think it comes out uh, December or November, 2020 or 2003. So they're the 20th anniversary, technically like a little more than 20 years after it came out, but you know, Seems like they need a little bit more time in the cooker, so it's probably a good thing. Wes, did you ever play Beyond Good and Evil? It sounds familiar, but I'm blanking on it. There's probably a game that you would like if you haven't played this one before. Sort of uh, Zelda-y, but a little bit more like narrative-heavy and uh, adventure-y than you'd, you'd think of like uh, compared to like an Ocarina of Time or uh, Twilight Princess kind of thing. Oh, okay, yeah, kind of remember this game. No, I have not played this. So here, here's a game that we haven't talked about in a while. Legend of Legacy is getting an HD remaster for Switch coming out March 22nd, 2024, which is a, a 3DS game that I really liked. It was a pretty cool game. The trailer had, like, it, it's a two-minute-long trailer, and one minute of it is just, like quote or some kind of line about something and then just clouds and here's another line it's like it's a building and they like that's the first minute of a two minute trailer like, which I don't understand these things it's so weird how there are uh, some people who work in in games media or games pr that just don't know how to cut a trailer together like 
there, there's no reason it needs to be two minutes. Show gameplay. Uh, it's it's where that um, there are, it especially happens with RPGs where they're showing like a lot of character art and character bios and showing all of like the people you'll meet along the way. Like no, show show gameplay and we'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, we what we am I doing here? <laughs> we we don't need to know that like the 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 bubbly girl that you meet on disc one is going to be the healer of your party. We we got it. We know. Yeah, and then she dies, and then you have no healer. Spoilers, motherfucker. <laughs> God damn. I think I'm okay spoiling that one, John. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan, you ever play a, a Sam and Max game? You ever get into those? Yeah, yeah, I've played a couple over the years. Uh, I couldn't tell you the title specifically of the last one I played, but uh, yeah, yeah, i played them before. They're fun. Devil's Playground is getting a remaster this spring. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That is, yeah. I don't really know what of the Sam and Max catalog can be found on a Switch, so very cool to see that's getting there. I think there is one other Sam and Max game. I think it maybe Hit the Road mm-hmm. is uh, available on Switch. I can't say with 100% certainty, though. I mean, what is this? Because the trailer is literally like, oh, yeah. Cop card friend, this pizza parlor. Like, it's just yeah, like, all the, right. The trailer's like, what nothing. am I looking at? It's sort yeah, of like. Sam and Max has their own style. Again, it is sort of in that model of like a point and click kind of thing where you know you have to sort of solve puzzles in unconventional ways to progress the story they like sam and max themselves are typically like detectives so they're usually solving some kind of mystery and you know it's it's one of those games where you just kind of got to poke at the walls and click everything and you know even if it doesn't do anything the dialogue's usually kind of quirky and silly so it's it's just kind of fun interacting with with everything regardless of whether or not it leads you to solving the puzzle yeah not too dissimilar from something like a uh, Grim Fandango, something like that. Yeah, good comparison. And then the last bit of news that we have for this show is uh, Miyamoto, just in a random treat, tweet one day. Are they still called tweets? Who cares? Yeah, it's a random, it's a random treat. Right, in a random treat, because it is a random treat, he announced a Zelda movie, a live-action Zelda movie. We oh know God, that... This- hardly anything about this other than he just sent out the message like, yep, this is happening. Um, I'm so scared. (laughs) We know a director. We know the director and producer is Wes Ball, so another Wes. I'm sure you're very happy to see yourself represented. What what has he he done? He did like the Maze Runner movies. Oh, Um, God. He's also directing the the next Planet of the Apes movie, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Mm -hmm. I have watched, Uh, I think, the first Maze Runner movie like a decade ago, and it was alright. It was during the height of the whole like, every young adult like dystopian thing was getting made into a thing, so. Yeah. He's fine. I really, I have no idea what to expect. Like, I think that when we saw the first trailer of the Mario movie, we were like, okay, Mario's gonna be fine. I think seeing some some screenshots or some, some trailer, and I don't even know if they've cast the thing. Like, I'm not even sure where that... They're, they're, yeah. This probably isn't coming out until 2025. Yeah, it, we're, we're, we're probably a long way off from this, like you are saying. And I, I'm, you know, they, they didn't announce any sort of casting or anything like that. I think we're a little ways from knowing anything about that. I just really hope that they're not, like, like star hunting. Like, well, of course, like, as soon as the movie got announced, everyone started, like, wish-casting it and, like, saying, like, oh, we want... Uh, this person to be this role, and this person to be Tom that role. Holland as Link. Tom Holland, who will be forty by the time it comes out. <laughs> I I just hope 
I just hope Link doesn't talk. I just I hope God, they figure out a way to make him not talk. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be bold filmmaking if <laughs> like so no no great. he's going to shut the fuck up the whole time? And I think like you can, you could do that. Uh, I think like an hour and a half, maybe two hour movie is um, a large format to try to have like a lead role who's mostly silent. But I think that like if it were something like. Uh, a, a mini series where you had more time to like actually have more characters who are doing a lot of the heavy lifting as far as the narrative goes. Like if it actually were like a Zelda game where you had side characters who were doing the thing that was pushing the narrative forward, and Link was just kind of wandering around, um, slashing at grass, then cool, you could make it work. Mm-hmm. But if if Link is going to be involved with like actually moving the narrative, then you know he's going to need to speak. It's 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 going to be like you remember that movie um about Nike. What was Air? The, Air, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, uh, they never showed Michael Jordan's face, but he was like standing in the room. At a, at a certain point, it got distracting that he would never fucking face the camera because of course it wasn't Michael Jack. It was Michael Jordan. Did I say Michael no. Jackson before? Yeah, Michael Jackson. Yeah, but neither uh... Michael Jackson nor Michael Jordan were in the movie. I'm technically correct. Right, <laughs> but that's true. Despite got, your best efforts, you are correct. It, it got it got distracting that you they kept on finding ways to like not have Michael Jordan speak or like have a, a, a face to the camera. I think it would be uh-huh. distracting if they just found ways to make like I, not talk. I hate that I'm about to like make this reference, but Austin Powers when they're like in the hotel room, but they're naked, but they keep, like, having random yeah. objects block the naughty bits. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's Michael Jordan's face. That's just... <laughs> that's, that's what they should the do. The ceiling fans movie. are the way. Or... So they should do that with the <laughs> next Austin Powers movies. Every time, like, a naughty does on the screen, it's just, like, taken up by Michael Jordan's face. <laughs> Michael Jordan's face. <laughs> For some reason, he's just there and always in the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know, Ryan, uh, you got any other thoughts about... A Zelda movie that we know nothing about. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult because, like, I don't know that any Zelda game has ever really had like personality. If it sounds weird to say that, but in terms of characters, well, and also like um, in, in terms, they, they're like Zelda characters with big personalities, but they're not your leads. Yeah, the it's so like um, foundationally good and evil, like a Star mm. Wars movie would be you know where it's like you have monolithically good characters and monolithically bad characters and the dialogue never gets spicy it's all very much like you know and i think it uh, it it is going to have to be very fundamentally different from the way most of the games play out because most of the games are like hey go find these MacGuffins, mm -hmm. use some like eight of them and then bring them all back and then we'll fight ganon yeah also Oh, go, go ahead, Wes. What's up? I, I got an idea. Go on. It's not from Link's perspective. Mm. We're following... This, it's Ocarina of Time, but we're following Sheik. Okay. And just seeing what she's doing in between helping Link. And see, like, and that's that's the sort of thing where, like, you can then, like, show Link doing what he's doing, but you could have very limited dialogue. Yes. It's not a bad way. Go, it's yeah. not bad. What were you going to say, Ryan? I mean, just that you, you kind of don't know what they're going to make with this. Like, yeah. are they going to try to make something that's that's based on, like, Tears of the Kingdom and mm. 
Breath of the Wild because that's so hot and that's kind of the current image most people have in their minds when they're thinking of it? Are they going to do something super stylized? Uh, are they going to try... Because, like, all the links or, like, all of the various Zelda games have such unique art styles. Like, there's not, like, a current... There's not, like, a thread that runs through them all. You could have all different kinds of movies. We just... All, all we've been told, live action. We know it's a live action. Yep. Like, is it going to be funny? Is it going to be serious? Is, like, is this going to be, like, a... He's trying to ape like a Kenneth Branagh production, <laughs> or is this going to be a lot like sillier and campier? Like we don't really know. Are they going to do it based on one of the games, or are they going to make their own game and try to slip it into the timeline? I mean, they were caught. Yeah, don't, like, don't, don't. What is the classic story of Zelda, anyways? Like, I think it depends on what games you've played. That's your story. Mm. Yeah, they're all so drastically different. So it's like, what? What are you doing? Are they going to do Wind I think Waker, Link to the Past would talk? <laughs> I think I think Link to the Past would be a good one just because yeah, it the, does start with Link being kind of just a kid that's sort of thrust upon him that he has to do this thing. It's a it's it's Wind Waker, but the boat is voiced by Danny DeVito. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. All right. Well, I, I get worried. We know nothing. Yeah, we won't know anything. We're, we're probably not going to know anything for a long time. Till this, give me a minute. Yep. Well, let's move over to some new releases then. Because there were some new games that came out. Um, on November 1st, we got Song of Nunu, which is another one of those games in the, like, the, the Riot Forge. What is it? Uh, they're using like the League yeah. of Legends characters or something. I want to get around to this, because Nunu and Willop are yeah. fun little characters in the game. There's also that Echo game that came out a while ago that I keep meaning to go get to. Because I've, I've played all these little Riot Forge games. They are fun. They're good, solid games. Mm. Yeah, they seem to like um, find good developers, too sort of uh, take on these these properties and, and make something that they're good at. Uh, Star Ocean Second Story R was out November 2nd. I haven't gotten to this one yet, but when I do, I'll report back. Fashion Dreamer was out November 3rd. You can, uh, oh my gosh. Mm. Play, play some dress-up if you feel like it. Uh, this is actually um, uh, a series that we'll get to in our, our tier rankings because I think this is uh, sort of adjacent to the style savvy games that were on DS so official Nintendo franchise so we're going to tier rank it <laughs> WarioWare Move It was out November 3rd Double Dragon Super Double Dragon I'm sorry was out November 9th so you can have some more uh, oh and Double Dragon Advance they released both those games so you can have some uh, C minus tier beat em ups to play mm-hmm. if you feel like it like there, there's so many good beat 'em ups on Switch. I don't know why you would bother with Double Dragon. Just grab River City Girls, both of them. Right. That's just and Streets of Rage Four and Shredder's Revenge, and even like Scott Pilgrim at this point. Even that uh, what Streets of Red that was pretty good. Ah, God, what a delight that game is! What a what a goofy game. Um, Hogwarts Legacy actually came out. Oh god, I, I watched a very short clip of this and one, I'm very surprised it came out. I am stunned. And two, it looks like hot trash. Oh you stop it. It is abomination. You stop. So the graphics look really bad. Also, it is littered with load screens. Just littered with them. <laughs> uh which it kinda has to be. It, it's absolutely absurd. I, I don't know why this exists. I mean, wouldn't the, really the low screens be like a pro because it gets you away from the bad graphics for a little bit? 
Just yeah, just rest your eyes for a second. But and they're not, oh, they're not even like is, short. The food at this restaurant is terrible in such small portions. It's it's just even the load screens are like twenty to thirty seconds long. Like they're not even like quick little load screens. Like they take a second, like half a minute to get into like open go from the street into uh, a shop in Hogsmeade. Like this this is this is bad like i so you recommend it oh I mean, my gosh so oh, I, I watched gosh. the technical breakdown of it like side by side and west like hogwarts is not like a masterpiece like the game still looks doesn't the graphics it's are not, not that but great. still i really enjoyed it <laughs> i thought it was a great game and this looks i know yeah horrible. i think you can see what they did to kind of like cut corners to optimize the performance of it um yeah i mean again if if they you know it's it's your call if you want to go how much does a, a PS5 cost? <laughs> Do you want to go spend seven hundred dollars to play this game or whatever? <laughs> then you know that's. I mean, I'm saying don't play a PS5 just to play this game. You you play this game because you're also going to be playing like Baldur's Gate and some other great stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, I think I think it's kind of admirable what they've made. I think it it looks fine. Like it's not this like a uh, totally janked out abomination. It looks like it actually runs really smooth too. And again, it's because of those load screens. Like, it helps that they made it like smaller, more contained things. They should have done yeah. like a uh, a top-down pixel art version of it. That would be funny. That would be hilarious. <laughs> they, Completely changed the game. What was the game that we talked about that had seven different versions on the retro show? Was it was it Chamber of Secrets? It might have been Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, it had a, a Game Boy Color and a Game Boy Advance mm. game. <laughs> Wild. They they did that with um. Dragon Quest Eleven actually on Switch. They made a version of it, which was, it's, it's funny because the uh, the Switch version is sort of regarded in in some RPG circles as the best version because they did get it running so well on the system and they like added extra content. But one of the things that they added was you can actually switch to like a Super Nintendo style sixteen bit pixel art full version of the game and play through it oh. that way. Hmm. Would just be an option for this Harry Potter thing? Um, like, a, like a zombies ate my neighbors isometric Harry Potter game. Um, what was the next one on my list? Oh, I think it was Mario RPG. Yeah, Mario RPG was out on the seventeenth. Either guys, either guys play this one? I want to, but I haven't put heavy hours into Wonder like you guys did. So I was like, if I grab RPG, there's no way I'm getting back to Wonder. Like I, I I'm just. So is this a is this a remake of an older game or is this a new game? Yeah, yeah, it's a, re- it's a remake of it. A remake of the Super Nintendo game of the same name. Uh, I think came out in '95 for the Super Nintendo. Oh, the Legend of the Seven Stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember playing this a little bit on the retro console. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just not my speed. It's one of those like turn taking, like yeah, isometric for nerds. For nerds. I was watching my buddies play yeah. it. Um, I was watching my buddy play it earlier, and they went to like one of those team moves that they added in this edition. Mm-hmm. Like they have that limit bar that goes up, and it was Bowser, Peach, and Mario. And I, I don't know what Peach did because I only kind of caught the end of it, but I just saw Bowser and his shell go up in the air, and then Mario jet shots this like <laughs> nice like cloud from Final Fantasy X. And I'm like, all right, like that's his bladed ripoff. I mean, this is. This is basically his his uh, final alt limit break. Um, actually, it's <laughs> Titus in Final Fantasy X. You said Cloud. I did say Cloud. Since I, we're correcting each other I've tonight, been, 
I've been up since 5 a.m. I'm so tired. Uh-huh. <laughs> she got a she got a yeah, it's tight. It's it's t- oh god. So I'm so tired. Uh, like you said, Wes, they have added some things. They gave up the the graphical overhaul. They also made like certain things a little bit friendlier. There are these little collectibles that in the original version, some of them are totally missable. If you don't get them in the exact right window, you can never go back and get them. They, uh, they fix that in this game to where uh, all these things are just accessible throughout the entire game, which is nice. Uh, they added the super move. The meter builds up based on how successfully you are timing your attacks and defends. Um, that's like one of the big things that this game added to the genre in general. It was one of like the first, or at least the first high-profile uh, RPG that had to where like if you did the extra button press at the right time for your attack you're going to do extra damage and if you do the same thing when you're defending you're going to take less damage and they actually fine-tuned it a little bit more in this version where like the window is slightly wider but they do have like the exact like if you get the exact exact timing you will like it'll give you like the the extra damage but then it'll, you'll also have a chance to do like splash damage with your attacks uh, and with the way of experience is like just because you get like the exact right doesn't guarantee that you're going to get the splash damage to all the other enemies but you know you, you get like a dice roll of it um they also added the ability to swap characters final fantasy 10 style to keep that game starring cloud relevant to this oh, conversation that's <laughs> um thanks for that thanks for that so you can so, yeah the portrait that stays the same but you keep aging <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think that's that's a little bit clumsier <laughs> you're not wrong it's just harder to describe so i mean i, I knew where you were going with <laughs> um there are times where like you'll be struck with a status ailment in Mario RPG and it will actually like uh, oh you know like in, in Final Fantasy games how you can be struck with like Toad or Mini it severely decreases the amount of like, possible actions you can take you won't be able to cast magic, you won't be able to attack that sort of thing um, if your party member has been struck by one of these status conditions just swap them out for another one and you do have like a playable roster of five mario never leaves the party he can't leave you're stuck with mario uh leveling up works pretty much like you would expect in any rpg you do get to like pick like all of your your stats will buff up and then you'll get to like pick okay do i want to further increase like your physical stats or your attack defense do you want to uh, further increase your HP, or do you want to further increase your your special stats, your your magic and your magic attack? So you get a little bit of flexibility with your characters there. They added this sort of like bestiary or compendium to, so you can like scout out every enemy and like figure out their weaknesses and fill up the pages there, fill out your checklist if you're so inclined. They added extra like challenge boss fights to the end of the game. You can take on harder versions of bosses you've already fought. But I think like the the big thing, like the biggest selling point of this game, like the, the biggest like uh, element of excitement around the game is the fact that like it wasn't a super accessible game for like a decade and a half or two decades after it came out. Like I first played this game on emulator. It is still very expensive to get a cartridge of the original version. Um, Ryan, I think like you were saying, it did come out on one of those retro consoles. 
but mm -hmm. it, it really hasn't been easily accessible. Like Nintendo re didn't really release on too many virtual console systems for some reason for like Wii or Wii U or 3DS. Um, I don't think it's available on Nintendo Switch Online. The Super Nintendo app there. I might be mm -hmm. I might be mistaken. I'll have to do some quick fact checking. Yeah, it's weirdly difficult to get this game, and I think there's like some speculation yeah. about like. Square Enix co or developing this game, co-producing this game with Nintendo might have led to some roadblocks uh, for for getting it onto different systems. Why they they managed to figure out how to get a remake done? Strange that the original version is, is inaccessible for so long. Uh, it's a very short game. Uh, my f I, I played through very leisurely. My final hour count was like under fourteen hours. You can get through this one in like a week. Yeah, if you're just putting a little bit of time every day. Um, and you, you can see most of what the game has to offer. There's not much in the way of side quests. There are things that, like they do in typical Square RPGs where like, every character has their ultimate weapon. You have to do a little side quest in order to get it. Um, you know, there, There's like optimal armor, like hidden stuff that you can get for a couple of characters. But other than that, like characters stop learning new skills like you've learned all the learnable skills at level 18 and as long as like you're fighting most of the battles that you come across you'll get to that level fairly early the uh, battles are not random you can see the enemies walking around the screen in further iterations of this sort of uh, Mario RPG style they'll do things like if you jump on an enemy before you initiate battle or like as you're initiating battle you'll get a little bit of damage on the enemy before uh, like the, the regular proceedings take place that is not in this game it would have been cool if they added that but as far as like other additions that's that's pretty that's pretty much it this is a, a fairly faithful remake of a game that wasn't really accessible very easily before now um and they they did a, a couple of little additions i think this one's uh well worth a play i will loan either one of you my copy if you want because I am now done with it. Oh, wow. And then the other new release that I've been playing, it came out on the same day. It is Persona 5 Tactica. It is a tactics game with the Persona 5 characters in it. Uh, Wes, you've played... Have you finished Persona 5? Oh, yeah. Okay, you've, oh, you've finished yeah. Persona 5. Uh, this, uh, without getting too into spoilers for, for anyone listening... Persona 5 Tactica is sort of like an interstitial uh, a mission or, or I guess a, a narrative beat or story where it takes place when you're done with the main events of Persona 5, but it hasn't closed out the entire narrative yet. So, of course, they, they haven't done anything with like the, the expansion that they added in Royale. It will take place before that. So does it take place before or after mementos? Oh, good question. Um oh, uh, it would have to be after. I think. That, no, no, no. No, no, no. It would be No, it has to be before. Anyway, it it doesn't matter. It's it's sometime in there. It's it's before the school year ends. Um okay. But the, so so you know, you get all of your characters back. They don't need to like come up with some reason. That's the most important thing. They don't need to some come up with some contrived a narrative reason to bring them all back together. You're like, no, this just takes place while you're playing the main game, so everyone's there. Um, it is 
a like like we mentioned and like it says in the title it is a tactics game uh grid based plays not too dissimilar from something like an XCOM, but it's a bit more akin to Mario plus Rabbids, which is again like a, a different sort of take on XCOM. But it's not as mechanically complex as Mario plus Rabbids, and certainly not as mechanically complex as something like an XCOM. So basically, throughout, I, I should mention that. Um, I am probably about 80% of the way through the game, so if they were going to introduce new mechanics now, it'd be surprising. Um, basically, what you're doing is it's a, a three-member uh, battle, and you can you know choose to swap characters before the fight starts, or if a character gets downed during a fight, you can have someone else baton pass in uh, and take over. Uh, that will rarely happen. This game does not push back all that much. <laughs> but basically what, what you want to do, it's cover-based. So when you are executing your turn, you want to make sure you're behind cover. If you are behind like tall cover, it will negate damage. If you're behind lower cover, it'll just reduce damage, similar to what they do in Mario Plus Rabbids. So basically what you're trying to do is like enemies will also be behind cover. You want to hit them with an attack uh, like a skill, uh, either a melee attack to actually push them from behind their cover, or you want to hit them with like a magic skill, and that will uh, make the like it'll um, make it to where they're not like behind their cover anymore. Like their their cover has been rendered inactive, and then you want to hit them with a different character on their turn to with with another attack, and that will knock them prone. When you knock the character prone, they will then like triangulate your three character positions um, and as long as a character uh, an enemy combatant is prone within that triangle you can unleash a a big attack like they do in Persona 5 the, the all out attack against any enemy that's within that triangle so like any tactics game mobility probably your best skill that is the best feature of any character is how much they can fucking move um, because if you can get as wide a triangle as possible to do an all-out attack, you're cleaning up a lot of enemies really quickly. There was a mission that I just did earlier today. They'll give you like a, a time limit. Hey, you, you need to finish this mission within 10 turns. I finished it in three because I was like, okay, I'm taking my most mobile characters. I'm going to spread them out this way, make sure I knock a character, like an enemy combatant prone, and there we go, cleaned up. As long as like that, that is your like most basic tactic, and as long as you have a handle on how to do that, you'll be able to breeze through most missions. There are other things that you can do, like elevation matters. If you are higher up than an enemy and they use a range attack, you're going to take less damage. And also, you can knock an enemy down from an elevated platform. And if one of your party members is within a certain proximity on the lower level they will follow up and shoot them while they're in the air, and that will get you a follow-up attack. Oh, I should mention that when you uh, attack an enemy that's exposed, it's not behind any cover, it'll give you a follow-up attack, like a plus one turn, where you can move again, you can take another action, and you can actually string a lot of these together if there are enemies who are dumb enough to not be behind cover. Uh, it's one of the... So, so you're saying, they're saying that they, they're, they're like um, the bowler's dad? He fell down an elevator shaft onto some bullets. Onto some bullets. 
<laughs> I was trying to get the reference in, but you're just on a tree. I've, you know, fucking I've always suspected foul play. <laughs> so the thing about the there there are some things that feels like it's missing. So one of the big things about Persona games and Shin Megami Tensei games is the sort of elemental alignments where you know uh, certain enemies will have resistances and weaknesses to these things and when you figure out those resistances or and those weaknesses that's how you're stringing a lot of turns together but in this one there there are no enemies with any sort of elemental weaknesses you can hit an enemy with uh, lightning damage it'll do the same as fire damage and it has no extra effect and I feel like that was a missed opportunity to have some fun with like party building because now I just take the most mobile characters that I have um, and Haru never gets used because she's got a mobility of four, and that's pathetic. Ooh. Yusuke has a mobility of eight. He is always on the team. He can move twice <laughs> as far. Um, but like, if they had enemies, okay, enemies here are weak to uh, psionic skills. Gives you a reason to use her. She's also got uh, a cooler gun because he he uses an assault rifle, fires in a straight line, where she uses a grenade launcher, which has a lot of splash damage. Uh, it's it's uh, it's radial damage. So, uh, but I hardly ever take advantage of that because enemies are hardly dumb enough to cluster together very often and she's not mobile. So it would have been nice if they incorporated some of that to get a little bit deeper mechanically speaking. They do some things with like bonuses. So any given uh, mission will have like, hey, you got to finish in this turn. But if you finish in fewer turns, and nobody dies and you kill all the enemies then you'll get bonus points which you know you'll you'll level up maybe get a few extra skill points and they'll reward you with more personas that you can throw into the 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 meat grinder to fuse into stronger personas so there's like a good reason to go for these extra bonuses and i do i always go for the extra bonuses and there's only been one time that I failed to get all of the bonuses, and that's because I'm illiterate and I didn't read that I had to kill all the enemies before I escaped the map. So then I just went back and replayed and finished mm. it. Um, and like I've, I've replayed a few missions just to like grind out for some cash to buy some better weapons and to get more personas to fuse together. So. Wes, you played Persona before. You you know what I'm talking yep. about here. Every yep. character has their their demon that is theirs, and that's the one that they use. Uh, your main character in Persona Five, it's Joker, is able to swap them around and have different demons, and that will uh, makes him the most malleable character because he's able to like okay, this demon uses thunder magic. I'll use this one too, even though I already have a guy on my team that uses thunder magic. Um, or it can swap out and use a, a, a different type or just have one that's purely based on buffing and debuffing. You can do anything you want with that character. In this game, everyone has their bespoke demon partner, Persona, that has yep. the, the skills associated with it. And then everyone can have a secondary. And those yeah. secondary will give you things like you can do different type of magic, buffs and debuffs. One of the most useful ones that I found is... Uh, a skill called ambush, which is you know when you're on the de on the defensive, you can set it up to where like like an Overwatch, like in uh, XCOM, the enemy moves and move into your line of sight. You you shoot them, it stuns them and it leaves them exposed for the next turn. Uh, that's one of the more useful ones that I have found in this game. Um, 
And then, like, as in other Persona and Shin Megami Tensei games, uh, within a couple of missions, you want to be throwing all of your Persona demons into the, the fusion grinder to upgrade and get better ones. And pl replaying older missions to re-recruit um, these Personas for free is a good way of keeping your team up to date. So... Uh, I think that's pretty much all I needed to say about this one. I am just about to the end. Um, I'm liking it. It's pretty good. There's a lot of talking, as you'd expect in a Persona yeah. game. But you can yeah. set it to auto-scroll. So there have been times where like, I'm at work and I'm doing something at my desk. And like, oh, okay, they're about to talk a lot. I'll just plop it on my desk and set it to auto and be working while they're talking. And as soon as they're done talking, okay, time to play a mission. I'll just pause this until I go on break. So, it's... um Just just backpack organization, town building, building and cartography. That's it. That's all, like, you, don't, you don't want any story. Perfect game. Perfect game. Um, if you can find, find some way to eliminate graphics and just make it numbers on a screen, it's even better. Oh god. So I not not as like um complex as I usually like out of a tactics game. But it's been it's been pretty fun. Um really breezy cuz like I said, not a super difficult game at all, or especially compared to something like an XCOM where like they'll they'll just throw in a surprise boss in the middle of a mission that'll just really fuck you up and kill your entire team of characters that you've built from scratch and not as not as complex as uh, Mario plus Rabbids either because you're not dealing with many things like status ailments there are status ailments in the game but it's like burn or shock or freeze and it's not something that you're mm. going to reliably be placing on an enemy with uh, like a, a specific skill. Like if you use an ice magic skill, you got a dice roll that you're going to freeze. It's not like in Mario plus rabbits where, you know, I'm going to use this skill specifically to halt this enemy's movement. Cause it's going to play into the, the tactics of the mission. But anyway, I'm going on. That is everything about persona tactica. Um, I recommend it. It's all right. It's all right. Two other games, just to mention real quick, In Stars and Time is a little indie RPG, black and white, monochromatic. It is a time loop RPG that came out on Switch on the 20th, where you're uh, replaying like the final dungeon of an RPG, but the game keeps on finding ways to kill you. So you like time rewinds, and you have to go through again to try to solve the puzzle of how to survive the next time through. And then Wordless is a side-scrolling action game that looks pretty good that came out on the 21st. Ryan... Tell me about Dave the Diver. That's what I want to know about. Yeah, yeah, I picked this up like two weeks ago, uh, and, you and I've been playing like it a bit. Thirty-five hours into it, have I? Yeah, Something I checked like your activity that. Yeah. It is. Holy cow. It is a very addictive gameplay loop. Um, yeah, this is a game came out, I believe, on like PC first. It came out on PC uh, like this summer, but mm. it, it's only currently available on the Switch. It's the only console you can get it on right now, um, and yeah, yeah, it's it's a kind of a silly premise. It, it feel it feels like the kind of game that you would have seen as just like a th throw in on like that indie direct where it would have been in the sizzle reel where you're like, oh, here's a funny game, or you're a diver. Um, but the idea is that you are diving for fish, and then you also like by day you're doing that, and then by night you have a sushi restaurant that you're stocking with the fish that you catch. 
Um, so you have this kind of oscillating gameplay where you will go dive in the water with your equipment, you'll go catch fish, and then you'll bring them up, and then you're doing that whole lemonade stand style gameplay where you're trying to you know make as much money as you can while you have the sushi restaurant open. So that way the money that you get from the sushi restaurant funds your purchases and all that kind of stuff. Um, the game is incredibly charming. Uh, there's a lot of character in it. It's all very funny and silly. You know, the main guy that you play, Dave, is not your typical, like, lead from a video game. He's just sort of like this big fat guy with a goatee. Uh, and, you know, he's just kind of a schlub. But he's sort of a lovable schlub. Um, yeah, it's it's really, really cool. And, you know, there's a surprising amount of depth to the game. Like, I'm constantly finding new new things to do in it. Every run, like, like they give you this calendar. They actually organize everything really conveniently with a cell phone. So you'll have a cell phone and have all the various apps. And I kid you not when I talk about how like weirdly diverse and deep this game goes, because it starts out with this, and the next thing you know, you're you have you're, not only are you diving to get fish, but you have a fish farm, and you have this fish farm you're maintaining, and then you have a garden that you're maintaining to grow vegetables and you have VIPs that demand specific kinds of dishes and uh, you have to procure all these various ingredients um, you know when you go diving it's actually there's there's a quite a bit of risk to it because you can you can you can run out of like you don't have a health bar you just have your oxygen tank so if a shark starts attacking you and starts hitting you you don't lose like health you just lose oxygen there's if you run out shark of oxygen, attacks Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there's like dozens and dozens of different kinds of sharks in the game. Are there like um, squid attacks? Can you attack by an octopus? Yeah, yeah. There's oh, that's horrifying. Again, a dozen, there's probably a dozen different kinds. This is a of, horror of game. Different je- jellyfish and squid. Um, yeah, like they actually present. Again, this is sort of the humor of the game. There's a guy that tells you about the fish encyclopedia, and he's dressed like Ash Ketchum. <laughs> um, you, you have mm, this, fun. yeah, giant list. It has to be, I mean, I'm not even close to scratching the surface of all of them, but there has to be maybe 300, 400 different, different fish that you can get, including an entire page of like 30 seahorses. Um, and they kind of gate your progress because initially you can't dive very deep. So, um, you know, you'll only be able to go, say, 100 meters deep. But then as you get more money, you'll get all these expansions so that you can, um, you know give you a bigger oxygen tank, essentially give you more health, right? You'll you'll have a better suit that lets you go deeper. Um, you oh, By the way, here's the other really cool thing about this game, uh, is that it's not just that you get a fish. Like, you, can, you, you have a harpoon and you have a gun, but if all you do is go down there and just start shooting fish to death, um, you're, they rate you on the fish. So, like, you, it's a one to three stars. And if it's a one-star fish, it's the kind of fish that you, like, beat with a baseball bat and then shot a bunch. By the way, you have also have a, like a handheld weapon which is sometimes a baseball bat. Um, like you, you can really ruin the fish and it gives you less meat, which then means less sushi in the shop. Um, and you also like, if, but if you also say like, for example, say you just tranquilize it or you catch it with a net, you now have a three star fish, which is like ideal. It's a better fish and it makes more food. You talk it into again, the trap. It makes you more money. What's up? You talk it into it. You use your powers of persuasion to just like, hey, why don't you come back to my shop with me? No reason. Yeah. Uh, you also have this uh, terrible, like, weeboo anime-obsessed gun maker 
that is your part, like on your side with this. So again, you have your base harpoon, but then you also have this gun, and there's all these different kinds of kinds of guns you collect. So you can have one that essentially operates like a sniper rifle, one's like a shotgun, one is literally just a straight up net that you can shoot that catches smaller fish. Um, and from there you even have upgrades, and it's so generically RPG about it too, which is so funny because you have poison upgrades, lightning upgrades, they even have a fire mod, <laughs> like you're shooting fire underwater at fish. It's, it's, it's delightful. Does it like cook them when you catch them? No, no. Um, you just take them to the shop. Um, and no, there's different recipes you unlock. And the whole idea is that, like, the shop levels... like, And also, like, you're there trying to run food at the restaurant initially. So, like, people will walk in, sit at the table, order a dish, and then you have to wait for your sushi guy to make it, and then you run the food out to them. That's at the very beginning. Eventually, you'll hire additional cooks, and you'll hire, like, wait staff to do all of this for you. Like, it, it is, I, I kid you guys not, this game is crack. This game is so fucking addictive, where you're just like, eh, I could do, I'll do, I'll just do one more dive. I'll just do one more dive. And then you finish the dive, and it's like, well, I mean, I gotta open the shop now. You gotta you know, open the time, shop. Time to sell the sushi, and it's like, well, I mean, maybe I'll just, I'll go poke in the water. They say, gotta catch this kind of fish. All right, maybe I'll go see if it's there. And then the next thing you know, you, you've lost, thir- how many, what, 35 hours? <laughs> you've lost 35 hours. 35 hours in two game. days. Yeah, like this game is wild. This game is so much fun. Well, it has not. Yeah, it's it's. Um, you'll you'll find yourself doing um, a lot of things that lead to things you just totally don't expect. So there are so many curveballs that come throughout this game. Um, it's like I was trying to think of how best to describe it. It's like imagine if you had a month to do a project, and you finished it after the first week, and you made an A plus project. And you've got three more weeks. That's kind of how these devs must have felt. Because they've jammed in all of this, om- so much other stuff that's not even, like, meaningful. There's, like, a stealth thing you have to do where there's this stray cat that hangs around and you have to stealth chase the cat to find out what it's been up to. Like, there's a rhythm game in it in which you're the gun maker who is, again, obsessed with this, like, over-the-top Japanese, like, anime thing. And they make you do, like, this rhythm-based thing to the theme song. You race seahorses with the the mermaid people that are underwater. Like, it's it's so unpredictable. This game has just so much fucking stuff in it. And I really feel like... I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm scratching the surface. I feel like I've probably made it through probably like 60-70% of the content they have. But, like, you'll there comes a point where you open up another store. Like, I haven't even got to the Arctic region. There's apparently, like, an Arctic world that exists where you can go catch narwhals and shit. Um, and just all of the various cutscenes that they have in it are so... Again, it's pixel graphics. The entire thing is done with, like, pixel graphics. And it looks great. There's so much artistry to all of the stuff. It's a, It kind of hits on all of these different levels where, like, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really fun version of a Lemonade Stand game. You also have a lot of fun going down and getting as much fish as you can while at the same time, like, trying not to run out of oxygen and also, like maxing out your inventory space, finding you stuff, like... Inventory space. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You can only <laughs> carry so much fish with you. So, like... Um, what if you really good organized example, your bag? It's not... Point. It's not really like mm-hmm. that. Like, the thing is, like, so say that there, there's, like, small fish. Like, you might find a whole school of fish where it's, like, four or five of these tiny fish. And each one's, like, 
they measure they use kilograms so like 0.4 kilograms not very big you could take out say one of the first two things you would encounter is like a reef shark a reef shark probably weighs about 20 kilograms combined so that's like something like 50 of those other little fish but it's one shark and that one shark is so much more valuable than the fish right but your carrying capacity at least to start the game is only like 24 kilograms so do you want a whole slew of various little fish that you can use to make a whole bunch of different sushi plates to sell at the restaurant or do you want that one like really nice centerpiece dish um and like i, I know where i'm at in the game now like it, it, the, the sushi restaurant's printing money. Like I'm making so much fucking money in this, just selling really high-end sushi dishes. And, and then, but then again, it becomes a collector's thing where it's like you know, there's these other various dishes that have combinations of ingredients, and you're like, well, I, where do I find where do I find the sailfish? Where do I find the marlin in the game or tuna? Like big, you know, like um, like big game. It's like big game hunting. You know, you want to find those big fish because they're the ones that are going to be the most valuable. And yeah, like all of these different kinds of sharks there's bosses that you have to fight and granted the boss battles are like super easy like even if you lose they just restart the boss battle from like the moment you enter it and it's fighting things like great white sharks one of them is like this 50 foot crab that's using like an upside down tanker as a shell um like i don't know i'm, I'm, I'm just rambling here like you guys really got to play this game this game is a lot of fun there's just so many cool little things in it it's a really refined product that this this company's made it's something i've never really heard of i think what is the name of them it was like mint something it's like mint gaming i think but uh you know i don't recall what i paid for it but i think it was like maybe 20 bucks i want to say it was a 20 dollar game and absolutely worth it if it's not on a wish list at least put it there otherwise i would recommend you go out and just buy it right now at whatever it costs yeah i put it on my wish list based on your legit. recommendation mm -hmm. oh yeah mint rocket that's the name of the company so yeah, yeah, big, big recommendation. Honestly, this is like, you know, this is gonna make the short list of best games of the year, and I've nice. only been able to play it for a few weeks. Nice. Wes, you got anything that you're playing right now that you wanna? Uh, no, I just got Wonder and Baldur's Gate as usual. Cool. Uh, I was gonna close the book on a game. I don't know if I talked about this game on, a, on the podcast before. Baton Kaidos. I've imported a version of that. Um, I played through the, uh, the the subtitle of the game is Eternal Wings and the Lost Ocean. Uh, it is the first game in the series in terms of release date, but then they made a prequel to it uh, a couple of years after they made that one. I can get more uh, into the mechanics of it when it comes up on the retro show, but I did finish it off. Uh, I do like the uh, optional little uh, quality of life things uh, adjustments that you can make to it uh, for example they have the option to turn off battles completely the battles in the game aren't random but there are some that uh, are often unavoidable like they're just like in your path that you need to walk down so you're going to get into that fight uh, so they made it to where you can turn those off completely they also did this thing to where uh it basically turns it onto an auto win. It, it turns enemies into just like one HP little goons in your way. So there were a couple of times where I was like, okay, well, I want to revisit this area and just to like grind up a little bit. But, you know, if I know I'm going to spend like the, the two hours going to take to grind, 
I'm just going to go ahead and turn on this auto battle thing. It'll take, you know, uh, uh, 20 minutes as opposed to two hours and I'll just be done with it and be able to move on to the next spot. So it's really cool to have that. You can do things like speed up the, the, the gameplay speed. It's independent of the battle. So you can speed up the battle um, two times and three times the different options. And you can speed up everything outside of battle uh, two times and three times are the options there. I played the game double speed outside of battle. Uh, you don't really want to speed up the actual battles because um, the, the battle system is it's a card-based system and you have, it's timed as well. So by the time you get to the end of the game, you got five seconds to choose your first card. And then you have to pick cards uh, after that um, based on how long it takes your character to execute the, the attack of the card you just pulled. So some characters is very quick. Um, there's one character who fights with like uh, fists and gauntlets. And you have to be like throwing cards very, very quickly in order to keep up with, with her attacks. Because if you don't uh, throw an attack within like the allotted time window, then it just ends the turn. Um, and by the time you get to the end of the game you can play uh, up to nine cards in a row. So there's a, there's, they did a good, good job of making like this really frenetic battle system that's all card-based and deck-building based. There are a couple of things that I wish they'd done in this update. One is uh, a lot of modern RPGs will just fully heal after battle. In this game, you have to carry consumable items around to heal after battle. Annoying. Um, and then the... Oh shoot, I had something in my head, and it has escaped me. Never mind. That's the one thing the game needed. Nothing else. No other notes. <laughs> no notes beyond that. <laughs> um, so, just to close it out here, really briefly, there are a handful of games coming out in the month of December. A couple of these are already out because it is now December 3rd at time of recording. Dragon Quest Monsters The Dark Prince is out on the 1st. That's, um, oh, that and Batman Arkham Trilogy out on the same day. Nice. They're both out on the 1st. Really the last, like, high-profile AAA games for the year. That's it. Um, Wes, you've played the Batman Arkham games, right? I've played the first one. Recommend? I liked it. I liked the first one a lot. There was a lot going on, uh, but yeah, they're they're good yeah, games. Um, Ryan, you ever play any of those Batman games? I have not. No, this this was actually one that I was really eyeballing. Um, I, I'll probably pick it up at some point before the end of the year. Um, as I understand, this is like it's three games, and it's like the definitive collection of each title. So it is going to be. I think I heard someone say it's it's going to be like thirty nine gigs. Oof! It's an absolutely massive game. Because uh, they're cramming in all three of them, um, but yeah, you know, I, I've, I mean, I played a little bit of one like on a on a friend's couch one time, but like I've never really chunked any serious time into one of these games. So, bit of a blind spot. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, then there are a couple of more, a couple more smaller games that are still coming out. One of them already out. SteamWorld Build. Uh, this is based on the SteamWorld series of games. SteamWorld Heist. A couple of SteamWorld Dig games. SteamWorld uh, Quest. So it has like the the general like you're you're playing as robots. You're going on these adventures, and there's like a bunch of different genres that they use, like these robot characters. And uh, we know uh, SteamWorld Heist is a 2D turn-taking strategy game. SteamWorld Dig are like uh, these these 
platformers with some like some light Metroid elements to it. Uh, Steam World Quest is a card battling RPG, and then the, the first one that they ever did was Steam World Tower Defense, which is exactly what it sounds like. Steam World Build is a town building game. Uh, I do have it. I've played for a couple of hours so far, so I'm not gonna uh, pass any definitive judgment on this at this point. So far, just general impressions is that it's um it, it's it plays a lot like there are these old pc games called caesar and they were town building games and wes you might remember me and jeremy playing this game caesar 3 quite a bit on pc back in the day yeah um but basically like uh you you have your your basic town and then adding these amenities to the town will cause the houses to upgrade and uh, bring in more money, and then that money, of course, you use to add further amenities, and the, the town keeps upgrading. SteamWorld Build is similar in that you know you you place where you want your houses, you start adding amenities, and then you're able to upgrade your houses, add more stuff, so on and so forth. However, your population is also your workforce for all of the amenities that you're adding in, and certain there's like there's like this robot cast system to where your workers your your standard like worker bee units live in the most basic of housing and they do the basic jobs and then you have to like when you upgrade the houses they get occupied by engineer robots and they do different jobs but the worker your your standard worker unit can't do the same job as the engineer or vice versa. So when you're upgrading your houses, you're altering the complexion of your population. So um, you have to maintain a balance between your basic houses and then your upgraded houses. And I got to the point in the, the first map of five that they give you to do where I can now do a third upgrade which brings in like these aristocratic steam bots who require the most amenities, they bring in the most cash, they have the nicest houses. But there's this like, I get this weird like uneasiness um, about like, even though they're, they're robots about like, I'm encouraging this caste system. Like there's no upward mobility in this society. The workers are going to stay the workers and do the worker jobs forever. And when I want to upgrade the town and do more things, I'm throwing them out of their homes and bringing in these <laughs> new robots. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a very weird feeling. And, and other games of this style, like I was talking about Caesar 3 just a second ago, uh, all of your houses upgrade as long as they have access to all of the amenities. So there, there's not like this system of like, no, these people will live in squalor forever. Like Everyone has the opportunity to upgrade. Uh, but that's like only the first half of the game. It takes place like on the, on the surface of this planet, and the objective is you're trying to build a rocket to escape the planet because the planet's dying. Uh, in order to do that, uh, once you have your town operating at a certain level, you are then able to go underground. There's this mine shaft that you go down, and under there, there's this whole different system of gathering resources to build amenities and then send the resources back up so the more amenities can be built on the surface uh, so there's a synergy between the two levels but um, the the sort of methods for constructing and opening up your tech tree are different on each level and I haven't played very much so it's so it's it's not super intuitive right away um, 
But that, that might just be a product of me not playing very much, so I don't want to pass too harsh a judgment on that. It just feels a little weird um, where, where you know, when we're talking about, like, humans, we know what humans like and what humans need to survive, so it's very, like, it follows A to B very easily. Whereas with these robots, are like, okay, well, now the underground you can gather this water, but you need water for these different things on the surface that doesn't always make perfect sense. So sometimes I get a little bit lost about what I need to build and what I still like uh, need in order to, to keep on progressing forward. One of the other okay. things that, uh, that hurts with that sort of town building aspect is a lot of things look really similar. So if I go up to the surface level, if I don't have things like zoned out really well, I'll lose track of like, do I have this particular building that's supposed to be this building, this particular thing? And do I have enough of the previous building that's getting the raw resources, the raw materials for them to produce like the, the glassware so that it can get sent to the distillery and filled with alcohol for the saloon? Um, there, there's a, a page that you can open up that shows kind of the general rate or like the, the general stockpile you have of these things. Um, the stockpile seems low and I don't know if like at a certain point I'll be able to upgrade to stockpile more things, but it, it also makes it a little bit tough to tell if I'm producing enough raw materials in order to make the things that I need to make in order to keep on progressing the town. Um, and that might be just something I get used to as I play more of it. So, I don't know. It just... Um, there are times where I've been building out this town where I've gotten just a little bit lost about what I should be doing next. But yeah, looking at some screenshots here, it just looks like a giant sprawling city of the same building. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it all looks very much the same. Like you can see a couple of buildings pop or they've got like a weird sign on them or something. But yeah, it all kind of kind of blends together and when when i was so, starting it yeah. i was like okay well here's here's my residential zone so i'm gonna keep my my houses over here and then over on this side of the train mm -hmm. tracks this is where i'll start building up the industrial stuff and i'll try to put the agricultural stuff over that way so i just kind of have an idea of where things are and then it was like okay now we, now you can build these new buildings and then i started running out of spaces to where like i was logically placing things and then it just kind of turned into this mess we're like okay well now I don't know if I have the thing that I need. But, mm -hmm. So yeah, just like having a bit more like personality to the buildings would make it a whole lot easier to know what's uh, what's there. But yeah, that's uh, my thoughts on that game just after playing it for a couple of days. Uh, the other mm -hmm. two games, we already really talked about them. Highland Song is on the 5th and Outer Wilds is on the 7th. Those are games that we talked about during the indie showcase breakdown well, that's it there we go that's kind of busy it's actually surprisingly busy for december yeah it's true um next up is the pokemon show yep i still gotta come by your place and grab a ds so i can make my team oh gba oh ryan what um okay. I'm, I'm gonna ask you something off air uh but we we still planning on doing a quiz game. I could put together a quiz game. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're going down, Wes. I got I got win that whatever the last mystery oh, one is. There's a mystery prize. 
Yes, it's de- de- delightful winnings. Right, I'm going to get to somebody here. And then after that, we'll do a mini show. We'll get back into some tier rankings. We'll do a retro show and talk about every goddamn movie that's ever been made. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's actually it's it's very light on music, according to Ryan, and it's actually kind of light on video games as well. Not like we're not like talking about July levels of of lack of video games, but definitely not as busy as November or October. Yeah, I mean, if you're launching a game in December, you're completely missing the window mm. of Christmas shopping. Like, that's that's just bad timing. Mm. Yep. But that's it. Then we'll wrap it up again with uh, an official show at the end of the month. End of podcast. So it all. See ya. <laughs>